If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And this week, we just want to send a big shout out to our very first corporate sponsor, the Nina Menasha Foundry. If you're looking for manhole frames, wastewater grates, or downspout boots, seek no further than Nina Foundry and Nina Enterprises. Providing the world with high quality iron castings for almost 150 years, Nina is the leader in the field. Go to groupnei.com today. That's groupnei.com for all your cast iron needs. All right. And with that, <laughs> is, is, is that legit? Where did that come from? That's our, that's this week's corporate sponsor. Okay. <laughs> I'm not asking you questions. The you Nina Foundries and Nina Menasha. Um, all right. So, uh, and if you just, just for giggles, every time you walk by a manhole cover or great um, see if it says Nina on it. Most of them do. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, this week, we're going to do a topic proffered uh, to us by our most um, uh, admirable and admiring private sponsor, Paul Kinder. Thank you, Paul. Uh, his topic idea was uh, cybersecurity career options for seasoned professionals who aren't interested in becoming a CISO, CIO, or CTO. I think that's a great idea. That that's a, that's a good concept yeah. um, because not all of us want to go into management track um, or corporate for that matter or corporate. Yeah, uh, a lot of technologists want to sit and play with the gear. They want to mm -hmm. do the job. They don't want to manage people. They don't want to go to meetings. They don't want to write reports. Right. Um, <laughs> yep. Yo. Yeah, I, 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 I want to play with cool stuff and break it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, and I think there's a good need for those people. I think uh, having someone with 30 years of experience who is still current in the modern latest and greatest stuff, that's worthwhile. Not everybody should have to move up to management. Not everybody should step away from the keyboard, right? Right, right. Um, and, the, and the trope that, you know, managers are often out of touch. They, you know, you, you you get pulled away from the fun stuff so you can go like you said manage people you get involved in all of the the uh, infrastructure or the inner workings of a, of a of a corporation or an organization and yeah it's just it's boring it's not fun <laughs> you make well, it good depends, it depends it depends on your disposition i mean there are people who are very good managers and very good managers of tech people and by and large tech people aren't very good at self-management they're not very good at existing independently within a corporate environment or within a wide-scale operation we do need good managers and good managers who at least have a background in the technology 
but there is no way to stay current with the latest and greatest and do all the management tasks. You simply can't do, do both um, sufficiently. Um, so I, I think it's good, but you just, a manager cannot be the most advanced on the tech and also do the management tasks. You have to, you have to split, you have to step away and um, getting that perspective is worthwhile, but that's not what Paul's asking. Paul's asking, um, what if you don't want to go that route? What if you don't have the disposition to be a manager? And I think that's a, a really worthwhile question. What areas would you all suggest that folks go into if they don't want to go that route? Uh, Matt, I I'll let you, I'll let you take the first one. Well, um, you know, as we said, yeah, not everybody wants to be a manager. Not everybody wants to be corporate, but that, that, that there's still a, a ton of opportunities out there. My, one of the things I love about the job that I do is working with small businesses. And these are businesses that aren't, aren't big corporate fortune 500 conglomerates that have multiple locations, global worldwide, you know, or even necessarily nationwide. I think that there's a lot that can be said for, for helping out smaller businesses and just either coming on board with a smaller business where you'll probably have to wear a lot of hats, not just cybersecurity, not even necessarily uh, IT. You'll probably have to, you know, carry um, a, a plumber's wrench and go fix a toilet every now and then, or, you know, <laughs> scrape snow off of the, the parking lot or something like that. I love small businesses. Um, and you can go into small business and not have to be that type of a person. But isn't that just being a CTO of a smaller operation? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean it feels differently. Yeah, yeah. It's just a different scale, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's not the the, the best answer for it. Um, the other thing that I would say would be uh, consulting. Um, you know, I, I love consulting. And again, not everybody wants to hang their shingle. Not everybody wants to start their own business. You don't have to. You can go work for another consulting firm where you will get to do all of the fun stuff. Um, and you just do it on a project basis, going and helping some other uh, organization with their cybersecurity stuff. You're engaged for a period of time, and then that engagement ends, and you move on to the next one. That's a really good way to um, to sidestep being you know stuck in, in the same office day in and day out for years and years. Agreed. Okay. I, I, I kind of like that one. Um, it is, it is risky. I mean, if you're going to have your own consultancy, it's always feast or famine. You never know when the next gig is coming along. You're not going to get the steady paycheck that a, a corporate gig would give you. Um, but it's, it can be extremely rewarding. You can pick your own clients. You can decide what you want to do. Um, and you don't get into that managerial thing. Now, if you are your own consultancy, once again, you are the CIO. <laughs> because you have to do all your own, you have to do all your own paperwork. You have to file your own taxes. You have, you know, you're running a business. Yeah. Um, so you're still stepping into the kind of the same issues that you were trying to avoid by not going up the managerial track. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of. Uh, it, it, it hits a little bit differently though, when it's your own company. <laughs> yeah. So. And you get to play a lot more on the keyboard if you're doing the consulting, cause you have to do the work. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. And if you if you make enough money, of course, you can outsource all the stuff you don't like. And it's your decision what to do and how much reporting you do. Of course, like, as you were saying, like self-management, of course, is sort of like an issue. So some reporting, even for yourself, might not be ill-advised, I'd say. And, so. and you're still the CIO. If you're still outsourcing, you are still ultimately responsible for what your accountant does. That's true. And, you know, I mean, you know, it... it Again, we're all just talking about the same thing so far. It's it's just a different form of that same track. Uh, Rafi, do you have another uh, idea? 
So I don't, I don't get why people don't want to get into management. I, I, like this is, I love that stuff. You know, I just like, I, I love it. And um, the funny thing is when we talk to people um, who are used to talking to people like us, they typically say, you're the first tech people we can actually talk to. And I'm like, I, I guess this is a compliment. I don't know. <laughs> No, but it's um, like in in what we do typically, as you said, it's uh, from a from a um, self management and maybe a social perspective, which uh, all people I love, and I'm sort of part partly one of that people, of course, as well myself. Uh, but I still love that kind of work. Um, but to to what can they do? I have, of course, like I employ a couple of those people who who I guess have been fed up with the job they have been done before. Uh, that have been doing before and what i like um uh what i like about those sorts of people is they have new ideas and they bring uh, complete new perspectives into my company and um sometimes i get the feeling um and of course this depends on your personal finances as well but they don't work for the money they work for the fun of it and if you know this as a manager having somebody who actually enjoys that sort of stuff they spend all the time they have like and, and on the clock and off the clock figuring out new stuff. So I'd say from if you are a manager listening, get those sort of people. If they're fed up in big corporate and if you're a smaller business and you can afford somebody like that, um, they sometimes and in our case, they sometimes take a hit. They take less money from us, like from a month per month paycheck, but they just enjoy having the freedom they have with us, um, being able to work on the stuff they want to work on and using the technology they want to use and stuff like that. So maybe just look for a smaller company which is willing to see the potential in in you being a seasoned uh, veteran, what you do. You guys um, really don't want to answer this fucking question, do you? I think I do. I think no, the, what can you do you look for a different boss? Paul's, que Paul's question is, what's the career track? And here's the here, I'll give you an example. Because this is the okay. answer I give to everyone. And this is not only people who've been in the industry for a while. I do this for every young person entering the industry. I all say, go compete with Matt Snotty. I say go into <laughs> I say go into digital forensics. Uh -huh. Forensics is, I think, the hottest field now and for the foreseeable future. Because, Matt, you've said it over and over and over again. There is more work out there than you and your competitors can possibly handle, right? I mean, there's yeah. a backlog yeah. of demand. Yeah, I would expand it out to not even just specifically forensics, but DFIR in general. Uh, incident response uh, goes hand in hand with forensics. And I think that, yeah. Okay, response. okay. But I mean, in, in terms of, I'm trying to break it down. I mean, if someone's mm -hmm. picking a, a track, yeah. <laughs> I think DF is the way to go. You, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, if you're going to offer the services, DFIR is a, a good service for consultancy. Mm -hmm. But someone looking for a career opportunity, a way for them to specialize mm -hmm. and rebrand, I think that's a way to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was specifically avoiding bringing up forensics because I feel like I talk about it constantly, and so I didn't want to say it. That's what you got me here for, man. I'll do that. I'll fall on that that grenade. <laughs> Okay, so but I don't get it. Like then you still are the boss of your own company, and what no, I'm no, saying no. is, wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up. Okay, okay. I've never, I've never said be an entrepreneur. Paul yeah, okay. is asking what career track can you go, 
And I'm saying, go learn DEF, get certified in DEF, and someone will hire you to be DEF, mm. not necessarily as an independent external consultant. There are law firms that want DEF people. There are, you know, Deloitte wants DEF people. There are plenty of companies that want to hire those people. And once you're a DEF person, Matt, you tell me, they don't want you as CIO. They want you doing DEF. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't you stick are... me in front of a, a boardroom and and having managed people. Yeah, put me in front of uh, a bunch of logs and have me analyze. Absolutely, what what they really want. You are way too valuable and irreplaceable once you're good at that and certified. They can't take you away from the keyboard and make you a manager. Mm -hmm. Yep, very yeah. much so. Yep. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So th that would be my number one suggestion. Um, so now, now that you see where I, I think Paul was asking, I'll throw out another one. Audit. <laughs> Audit. Audit. Okay. Mm -hmm. If but you've, been, I, if you've yeah. been a security practitioner and you're looking to rebrand and flourish without going in the management track, go get certified as an auditor. Go get ISO 27001. Um, go get... Uh, the the new one from the the DoD what is it CMMC? Um, as soon as you get certified as an auditor, you're going to have more work than you know what to do with. And again, you don't have to start your own company. Yeah. There'll be people willing to hire you as internal audit, or an audit company will be willing to hire you to go and do external audits. Yeah. Um, I'm specifically thinking I've I've dealt with outside third parties that do uh, SOC two type one, SOC two type two, HIPAA audits. Yeah, all that types of healthcare is constantly under review uh, and audits to uh, to ensure PCI compliance. DSS audits. Yep. yep. And, and these are extremely valuable. And once you get those certs, if you don't want to be management, you don't ever have to be management because they want you as the hired gun to to ship you out and do the job, right? Yep. Now, are you following me, Rafti? Are you seeing what I'm, I'm following seeing? you? I'm following you. But now audits, I don't know. What is your experience with those kind of people? Because like, from <laughs> my, no, 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 not saying. I got, like, my, I got my ISO 27001 lead audit uh, cert last year. <laughs> no, but from my experience, when we have been audited um, and I have been following them on LinkedIn, looking where the auditors have been going, they all moved away from it. And I don't know why I haven't talked to them afterwards because, of course, like if we are asking for another audit, we get something, someone new, you know. But they typically, people who go down that track don't want to stay there. And either it's people who are willing to go down that track uh, actually have their, uh, like, they, they just see it as a stepping stone towards something else. And uh, from what I've seen, those people have become, like, went into this, uh, uh, CISO positions in other bigger companies afterwards. At least that has been with three of the people I know. Um, but like, and this is sort of like my question, like, do you see this as an end goal? Like, I, and I understand the question Rafi, is, or can again, you park yourself? I think you're, you're not answering the question. No, I'm asking. <laughs> RTFQ. What you're asking is, what would somebody who is an auditor like to see as their end state? That's not the question Paul's asking. I know. I know. Paul's asking it if, for someone who is a seasoned practitioner, what is a route you can go for advancement and flourishing that is not management? Now, I, I will say, first and foremost, each of these tracks that I've mentioned so far are cul-de-sacs. They are the end state. Once you become DF, once you become an auditor, you're never going back into 
uh, practitioning. It, it's just that that you're not going back into just security. You're not going to be a SOC analyst anymore. You're going to become so valuable in that enterprise, you're stuck. And once you've been tainted with the audit stick, you're going to be auditor forever, and you don't get to eat lunch with the cool kids. Yes, there are sacrifices you will have to make if you rebrand, but that that again, the question is avoiding the management track, and and these are ways to do it. Um, does that mean you'll have personal fulfillment? I don't know, and I can't speak to that. Um, but do you see what I'm saying? Specializations, specializations that aren't CTO or CIO. Yep. Um, I think that that's where we're kind of going for with all these is, yeah, it's going to be any of the the, the pantheon of, of specializations within the umbrella of security and IT. And, and I, I think, would throw out, Ben, you know, my next one, I, you know, you stole my thunder on the on the forensics. I would throw out training, go into training. Ooh, ooh, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Not, I mean, whether it be for training for aspirants for a certification or corporate training, you know, getting an entire group of, a, of an organization up to speed on, this is what a phishing email is. This is what to look for as a red flag. Um, if you get a suspicious text message, stuff like that, all that's big time. Uh, now, really, now really this is not my protectionist side coming out here. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing I would warn against training is the thing that makes it different than both audit and forensics, there is no legal requirement for the training market, meaning that there are no companies that are required to go and hire trainers. There mm -hmm. are legal requirements to go and hire uh, audit. You have to mm -hmm. go and get audited if you're getting, you know, PCI compliance. You have to go and get audit if you're a publicly traded corporation and you need a SOC audit. So the training field is necessarily inherently limited. Uh, and I face well, that each each week. Um, <laughs> kind of. But I mean, if you think about it, all of these uh, uh, standards, all these regulations uh, from SOC to PCI to you know ISO and stuff like that, there's usually some portion of the audit that says, show us some visibly demonstrable evidence that you do regular training of your employees on you know cybersecurity and stuff like that. So whether it's done internally or they hire a third party, because I've got a lot of customers that hire third parties that they just pay, you know, a quarterly fee to or whatever. And they send simulated testing, uh, uh, testing, phishing emails, or they do an online five minute weekly uh, refresher course on, oh, this you've is what got, You've got clients like that? Yes. Why have you not pointed any of them towards me? What the hell's the matter with you? I thought we were friends. <laughs> you don't do simulated phishing <laughs> tests, do you? I do any kind of training that there ever was. What the I'm hurt. I'm offended. See, and this is why I don't recommend training as a uh, career path. Uh, holy if crap. You put a, I, no, if you put a package together, Ben, I would absolutely sell it to all my, my, my clients. Yeah, they, 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 they eat this stuff up. Oh, okay. Well, I think I may have just. How long we've been doing this show? Would you do this long? I thought, I thought you, 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 you were always happy with doing the CISSP, CISM, all of all of that type of training. Yeah, if you want to put together a package of weekly five minute YouTube videos so that a company can Ooh. hire you and say, okay, we are training our employees. Yeah, absolutely. I will. I think we may have just stumbled onto a huge marketing boon for, for, for Ben here. Well, no shit. I mean, where have you been? <laughs> What what episode is this? 176 or something? Yeah. Come on, man! Uh, I'll take I'll take that gravy. Shit, just make them watch these podcasts. Um, all right. <laughs>
Um, so yeah, there is there is some impetus to have uh, the training checkbox checked. Um, but as a trainer, those are uh, uh, harder to get by because of the first thing you said. Most entities just do it internally, and they mm -hmm. have their existing security team perform that action. Um, whereas an auditor or a digital forensics expert is stovepiped by licensure and certification. You don't really need to have a certification to do training. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing that I think that you may not realize, though, is a lot of those standards that were applying 10 years ago to large corporations are now filtering down to the smaller businesses these days. Cybersecurity has become a huge thing because as, as, as any business owner knows, you need uh, uh, cybersecurity uh, insurance. You, you, you have... Um, all these other big big time regulations that are now applying to them. HIPAA is, is one that used to be, you know, just, just for hospitals mostly and big organizations in healthcare. And now individual, you know, doctors' offices all, all have to be HIPAA certified and, and, and compliant and all that kind of stuff. Same with all these other uh, cybersecurity regulations and um, uh, standards that are being put out there. So it's all, all I'd say, it's all trickling down to the smaller businesses. So there is a huge market in the 50 to 100 employee market uh, or, or, or uh, company size where they're all taking it seriously now because they're getting the pressure from outside forces. Yes, but again, I think they have their internal security people do that training. If and you, Well, if you have a 50 to 100 person uh, business, you don't have an internal security team. <laughs> you, I mean, they're, they're not big enough to. They don't have employees that do that. Uh, as but, a but, any, but anyone that they're hiring to do IT security, will do their internal training as well. I mean, I, I'm just saying, even CISSP has a training component in it because they expect that any CISSP can perform training or at least coordinate training. Um, I, I just don't think the market is quite the same. Uh, I don't think the demand, I, it, it's possible. I don't know, let's see, we'll see where that goes. <laughs> but, and, and I would say for practitioners who have the ability that Rafti mentioned, the ability to talk to normal human beings, yes, go examine the training field uh, because if you can translate geek to human you are that unicorn that people want that is that is a highly valuable skill i i, I like that a lot that's very very good 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 all right rafti now you see where we're going do, do you have absolutely i still i still think that uh, if you enjoy the job you're doing right now and you feel like you're being pushed into a direction you don't want to Look for a different like uh, boss. If you don't want to get the get up the ladder, just move like somewhere else. You know, okay. vertical okay. movement. That's now, just what I'm be, saying. <laughs> that'll often be a lateral move, though. I think I think what Paul was implying is that there's a plateau in just being you know an analyst or a security person. Um, that unless you're you're willing to take on managerial tasks, your paycheck will always be the same. Yeah. Um, and that may be the trade off. That might be, you yeah. know, if what you want is the fun of playing on the keyboard, you may have to just realize, okay, you've hit the maximum of your potential, right? Uh, of the potential of your paycheck, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. exactly. I, yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. And I like what you said earlier. A lot of the people who are very, very happy with their paycheck are doing the job because they love the thing that they're doing. They, you yeah. know, they could, they could hunt intrusions all day long and they're just, you know, happy as hell that someone's willing to pay them to do that. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think this is the best, like if you're at that spot in your life, I think you should stay there. I, I don't want people to just advance because they feel like they have to. 
if you're happy with your job, stay there. And I don't know if your boss does not want you to stay there, move, get somewhere Good. else. You know, Good. I, I like that. Okay. Be I happy, like that stay a lot. happy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, as Matt was talking about, you know, the, the, the workforce 20 years ago was a lot different than the workforce today, or I'd say even 40 years ago. No one expects you to stay in the same job at the same company for your entire career, especially for IT personnel. If, if you want to be the hired gun and go from place to place and still at, stay at the same level doing the same gig, no one looks askance at that. That is no longer a brand of you not being a team player or not being able to get along. It just means that you're broadening your horizons. So, yeah, by all means, go go to a different shop if you need to. Yeah, um, I'd make another suggestion. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what Matt was saying earlier. BCDR, which kind of is IR, you know, um, but at a larger scale. I think if you want to specialize in continuity of operations, I think there is a role for that. It's probably not as broad as forensics. It's not as broad as um, even teaching, for that matter. Um, but there are a need for organizations to know how to survive a an extinction level event, and whether that means you know coming in and setting up generators or writing somebody's plan for them. Business continuity and disaster recovery is something that people are paying attention to. And Matt, you even mentioned it a couple episodes back. <laughs> Businesses in Kentucky are just figuring out now that, you know, um, uh, a nuclear bomb is not the only disaster that may take you offline, right? That right, there's a bunch right. of other natural events and that they yeah. should be prepared for those, right? Yeah, yeah, just just regular old power outages and internet outages. Um, as the weather has changed, so too has uh, the availability of all the services that we have come to rely on, and some of those can be extinction level if they exceed your uh, what's the three letter acronym they made me learn in CISSP RPO, RPO. Uh, maximum maximum uh, uh, maximum allowable downtime, or yeah. sometimes it's called maximum tolerable downtime, MTD or MAD, right? Yeah. Yeah, all those all those fancy letters that they may be do the book learning for. Right. Now, <laughs> now, there aren't as many positions for BCDR as permanent staff within organizations like there are for internal audit um, or, or even training for that matter. Um, but I think if you find a specialty shop that needs people who know how to do that, then you might find happy employment that way. Or again, if you want to hang out your own shingle and run the risk of being your own manager again, um, that is a field you could specialize in. And um, I want to add this, of course, like is a job that can be done in many places. You know, like if you want to travel, if you don't want to stay where you are, this is a thing going on like everywhere, also in Europe. I don't know. I think I talked about this on the podcast as well. Like when I had to fill out for my brother in the case of a blackout <laughs> that I will pick up his kids. <laughs> yes. It's, yes. It's a mandatory thing, even in Europe as well. So excellent. Excellent. And, and each place has its own unique set of potential disasters. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Super um, interesting. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one I would suggest and, and Rafti, I think, uh, you can back me up on this <laughs> software uh, design security and testing uh, SAST and DAST. I think there are a lot of security people that don't consider that part of security. They consider that part of software development, 
but I think if you are a practitioner in the security field and you can go and learn that aspect of it, I think you'll bring a lot of insight and value that a software developer would not normally have on their own with their own experiences. Rafti, can you speak to that? Because that's all you guys do. Absolutely. And I saw an article, which I have not bookmarked for some reason, about um, like GitHub being an attack vector now as well, um, where they're like open source project are infected and you sort of like build upon an infected base uh, with a backdoor or something, you need to audit that stuff. Just because it's open source does not mean that you can just take the code and go with it. And I think with uh, AI and with large language models spitting out random code and you just lump it in and if it works, huh, it works. Well, no, like take a look, especially from a security perspective. I thought you, when you were talking about audit audits, I immediately thought about software audits as well. But yeah, you're right. Uh, like specialized for security stuff, uh, very important. And there's even like um, some um, organizations pay for that stuff for open source code as well. So you you basically never run out of, of a job there. Um, oh, yeah. Did, there's cool. an infinite amount of work because there's infinitely more code being created every damn day, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There, that's not a finite level of work. Nope. Now, again, you have to have a particular, it's like being in forensics. You need a particular disposition to have the personality trait to be both a software designer and a security nerd. So not everybody will be able to do that, right? Good. Um, other ones, other specialties that you could recommend? I'll go out on a limb and say network architect. Ooh, or security architect. Yeah, yeah, security architect would be kind of an overlay to the network uh, infrastructure architect. But yeah, if you're going to be picking out uh, uh, data centers, if you're going to be laying out um, um, how the network's going to communicate, where all your you know internal and remote uh, uh, points are. Uh, if you have people working in lots of different places, all that networking has to be architected. And you're not going to leave it up to your cable company or your phone company to say, this is what we can do for you. No, you're going to design that. You're going to have somebody actually actually do that and do it in a way that makes sense for your company. And ideally do it in a way that's secure and is um, much less vulnerable to uh, threats, vectors, disasters, you know, you name it. I love that one. And I'd even go uh, as far to say that it's the dream job for many security practitioners because <laughs> you get all the power. You get to decide. You finally get to tell those network jamooks, this is how we're going to do it, and it's going to be secure, right? It's like being management track without having the management headache, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and on top of that, you don't even have to deal with the end users because one of the other things was going to be uh, help desk, but everybody hates help desk because you deal with end users. If you're a network architect, no, you're stuck in, you know, it's kind of like forensics. They're stuck in a similar black box down in the basement, you know, <laughs> figuring out where how everything is going to connect up and, and what's what the right way to do stuff is. So, yeah. You will never talk to a user again as soon yep. as you get that architect <laughs> after your name. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. Excellent. Excellent. Um, let's see. Uh, other specialties or specialization. I Now, this is weird. If if you do have that capability to talk to human beings, how about um, both pre-sales engineering and sales engineering? Um, I think that's a specialty 
for security products and services in particular. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a specialty that a lot of us overlook as well. And it does require a good level of human interaction. And I think there's a lot of significant potential monetary reward there that don't necessarily go with staying in the, the seat next to the keyboard. Yep. As someone who has had my forensic skills sold by my partner over the phone to lawyers and firms and stuff like that. And I've listened to him on his sales calls to engage uh, potential customers. I cannot tell you, it's probably over 90% of those calls when he hangs up, I, I sit there and look at him and go, we can't do that. Why are you <laughs> telling him we can do that? <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> Let's see, this is overselling what, you know, a professional can keep you from overselling something that you can't actually do. <laughs> I have to sort of admit here, um, this is a thing that Danielle and I sometimes talk about. For me, it's important to not be wrong. And for him, it's important to be right. There's a gray area in between. Yeah. There's, yeah, you know? those are two different things. Those are, those yeah. Are, yeah. Can be very different things, but, you know, it's, it's, um, I don't enjoy that sort of stuff. Um, as I said, I, I, my talking to people involves managing people, not selling stuff. I don't like that sort of part of it. Um, but um, when it comes to that sort of stuff, I, I so understand what you're saying, Matt, that people, <laughs> and I, I sometimes apparently do that myself as well, um, saying stuff that's that's technically not correct anymore, but it's not wrong yet. So. <laughs> And I think that's a good point. You know, the sales team isn't all that fond of the engineers because the engineer will stay within the the realm of truth, where the sales team just wants to make the sale, right? Right. right. Um, but, but sometimes you have just just to say, I think as an entrepreneur, you sometimes have to dream and say, we will be able to do this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's a good role for I think that's a good role for a practitioner to step into. It can serve as a reality check. It can help the customer manage their own expectations and help them refine their requirements as well. The customer may be asking for something that, you know, is a shiny leprechaun, but they might not need a shiny leprechaun. They might right. just need a router, you know, and, and this is the sort of thing that a sales engineer can assist with. And I think that that's a good route that you might want to consider. Yeah. And I can tell you as, as the person being on the other side of that phone call, talking to a salesperson for some piece of technology or some software or hardware or something like that, talking to someone who actually knows what they, what they're talking about is so rare. And IT guys, security guys, we, we, we've all been on those sales calls and we can smell it coming a mile away when they're just spitting out a bunch of BS. And it's like, there's no way that your product can do this one thing that, I, that you're telling me that it can do. Let me talk to someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> put an engineer on the phone, put a network designer, put a, put a security person on the phone who actually knows your product. <laughs> and realistically, I don't know about you, but I've been in, in the buying position haven't the sales team lost more sales than they've accomplished by overinflating their product? I have, I have decided not to buy a product that I was actually disposed toward buying simply because the person I was talking to didn't know what the hell they were talking about and, and they oversold it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely with you there. But I guess it's, it's different in who you're talking to because this is sort of like, um, 
with I think I talked about next semester in the past as well when we were first like starting into that realm of not selling to customers but selling to businesses and I think our landing page is very technical focused and it's targeting more people who are like us um, and what we hear over and over again like the decision for the stuff you're, you're selling in many cases has to be made at a point where they don't understand what you're saying anymore and it's like it's from it's the CISO who hasn't been in the field for years at this point. It's the per and he's a manager now. But like, at some you, point, the CISO is going to take the advice of the technical person who looked at your yeah. web page and said, "I know that that's what I want," and they're going to go to the CISO for approval to make the payment. You know, if the exactly. CISO is not going to understand it, that's not necessarily bad, and the CISO should at least recognize that they've delegated that down to the level where it does make sense to make the decision, right? Yep. Yeah. And that's, and that's how it like should, should happen. Yeah. Of yes. <laughs> yeah. If you have a good CISO. Yeah. 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 Um, good. 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 Um, other areas for a practitioner to migrate into. Um, hmm. I know I think there's we're running so, out. <laughs> I know there's so many jobs in, in in this field. It seems like about any of them. You know, the, the the number of managers is so much smaller than the number of practitioners. It seems like the, it, it, it shouldn't be hard to to find something that you love to do without having to go to be a manager. Um, I know that I've heard anecdotally. I'm not sure if I know of anybody personally, though, who has who has made the leap into management, decided it wasn't for them and then gone back to basically their old job and been like, no, oh, yeah. my, my quality of life was much better when I was doing this. I think we've all met people like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's there's a lot of good things to be said about that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one more uh, that just springs to mind: Bruce, Bruce Schneier is advocating for people to get into politics and advocating for people to add, like, to get people into um, explaining the the importance of forensics and of security and of all that stuff to to politicians. You know um be being i think an ambassador or something like that i don't know how he says it we call we call that a lobbyist in america <laughs> yeah, i know of course i know of course but like there needs to be people I, I who love, know their stuff as well i yeah. love bruce but bruce has made an entire career about how the government fucks up security so we need more government <laughs> I, I, he, and that's his thing that's his shtick and it always has been but but you know and so I don't know. This can be a potential, even if you don't like it. Um, but this can be a route sure. you can go through. And sure. I think, and at least how he is like talking about it, um, there is not a lot of people there, and he yeah, would I like agree. to see more people in that area. Would you actually trust uh, an elected representative, a member of Congress, a president, a mayor, a city council person, who was a previously? Network security engineer. <laughs> would, would, would anybody actually trust them? I, I wonder. <laughs> Ben's making faces at the camera. <laughs> you know, to be a good security person, it's like being a good cop. You got to think like a criminal. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I, I'm concerned that if we give them the reins of power, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, there's too much potential there for uh, something untoward to occur. But yes, you are right, Rafti. There is both room in the politics itself and in the lobbying and advocacy range for politics. And that mm -hmm. takes me to one other area that I think might be worthwhile. 
um, as a practitioner, you can and go you can go and work from one of the standards bodies. Go mm -hmm. work for PCI Council. Go work for ISC squared. Go work for ISACA. Go work for ISO. Um, there are there are roles there that uh, you may be suitable for. Now those roles are going to be kind of similar to the management track in that it involves a lot of writing. It's a lot of essays. It's a lot of papers. Um, it's not as much touching the equipment and playing with it, um, but it's still not management track. So I don't less know. people. Yeah, less people, less uh, responsibility. If you're scared of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I would add also, if you're if you're comfortable with public speaking, start speaking, start writing. Be you know, either start your own blog, start your own podcast, go on the speaking circuit uh, at uh, any of these security conferences. They're always looking for people who know security, who have good stories to tell. Unpaid. And, <laughs> well, some of them, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, let, let's yeah. just let's just be very clear here. This well, is not a career opportunity, yeah. unless you're Sully Sullenberger. Well, okay, yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there is a level where it becomes a paid gig. <laughs> if you're Brian Krebs, yes. Yeah, Brian if you're Krebs. Bruce Schneier, Schneier, yes. yes. <laughs> you know, yes. And yes. Brian Krebs and Bruce Schneier are not going to be doing this forever. So now's the time that to get your chops and yeah, okay. uh, be All an right. extra. <laughs> Let, let, let's just, I, I just want to make it clear to everyone who's considering something like this. When you go to speak at a conference, you pay your own airfare, you pay your hotel, they'll buy you lunch and give you a ticket to the trade floor for free. That's, that's what you get. That's, that's, that is the payment, right? Yeah, I got a, I got a, a, a backpack from open text when I spoke in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you that backpack has been to three different colleges. It's been on a bunch of vacations. <laughs> it was a good backpack. <laughs> I, I still have my RSA backpack yeah. and uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. But, but all I'd say, uh, yeah, Brian Krebs started out as a journalist, um, start writing, you know, he's a, now he's a highly respected, I, I'm not sure how much money he makes or, or how much 40 grand an hour for okay. public speaking. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, now, it, I don't know how often he gets hired to do that, but well, yeah. how many so, do you need a year? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Two or three a year. And you're, <laughs> you're doing pretty well. <laughs> two or three hours or two or three speaking gigs. Two or three engagements. Yeah. 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 To 40 grand an hour. Who cares? I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> for all those listening, I'll do it for half that. Just <laughs> yeah, but then they have to put up with Just because I'm that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, good. All right. All right. So I think we came up with a half dozen. Paul, I hope that satisfies your question. Um, I really hope you don't get into training, Paul. There are easier ways to make a buck. Uh, <laughs> Is Paul considering a, a career change? Do you, uh, I, 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 I don't know, but he it's asked really the not. question. Okay. It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those questions where you're begging the question by asking it, right? Aren't you? <laughs> but I think it's a good time to chime in and say, if you want to us to talk about a question of yours, I guess you can do the same thing as Paul did, buy a gallon of gas and send in the question. Uh, yeah. You could do the same thing as Paul did, buy 10 gallons of gas. Oh, 10 we'll gallons of gas. Oh, if, okay. If Sorry. You, if you buy us a gallon of gas, you're lucky if we'll say your name. But you buy us 10 <laughs> gallons of gas, we'll say your name. We'll say that your dog and children both are attractive and uh, that you seem intelligent. We'll, we'll say whatever you want. How's that? 
We're, we're, were right. you saying that we would fire Rofty too if uh, if if someone bought us ga uh, gas? <laughs> oh yeah, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. There's, there's plenty of other Australians out there. We can. We can. He's eminently replaceable. No, oh, Rofty, we love you. We love Rofty. All this up. All this. <laughs> All right. Until next week, I'm Ben Maliso. and I'm Matt Snotty, and I'm Rafael Filler. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications. Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to Ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F. I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com. And listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash R slash S-S-O-I underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.